Hello, friends. Dan here. Welcome and welcome back to the Dynamic Nonprofits podcast. I know it's been a minute and believe me, I have missed um, speaking with you. Um, no excuses. It has just been an incredibly busy time over the last few months. So I've had to take a step back a little bit uh, from the podcast, but um, never fear. Um, we are still enduring in our mission to unsilo the nonprofit sector and to advocate for the benefits of unsiloed fundraising, um, connecting the different worlds of uh, fundraising and different channels, helping them work better together, more cohesively delivering a better donor experience, uh, which ultimately will deliver more value uh, or more revenue to nonprofits and help them become more impactful. Uh, a concept which I believe the nonprofit sector needs now more than ever. So uh, we are still here. We are still very much um, laser focused on our mission. And um, it has just been a, a busy couple of months. A um, lot of a lot of strategy talk. Uh, there's no mystery that the last year or so, last couple of years really, has been a very challenging time in the nonprofit sector, and it's raised uh, a lot of questions, um, but I believe ultimately healthy ones. I think a lot of the discussions that we're having now could eventually lead to a golden era of fundraising. I've heard more talk over the last year or so about needing to focus on the lifetime value of donors and cultivating relationships with our donors, maximizing the value of those relationships um, than I have in a long time. Some of that has been born out of necessity um, based on the state of the marketplace. Um, but if we can get to a point where uh, that's the default, that's the best practice, it's not worrying so much about front-end metrics, response rates, um, even cost to acquire donors, but how much are our donors worth? And then making investment decisions based on that principle, um, it can do a lot of good uh, for fundraising. I actually spoke on uh, on this very topic at the List Bazaar a couple of weeks ago, which maybe some of you attended. That is a great event, which dates back 40 years and celebrates the role that List professionals play in the nonprofit sector. And um, I actually demonstrated a, a case study um, one of countless, which shows that over the long term, actually, prioritizing front end numbers and aiming for the most efficient fundraising or the lowest uh, net cost per donor, it actually um, can be detrimental and cost your organization revenue over the long term, because very often the most uh, productive long term donors um, either based on an individual donor level or based on a package level, how you acquire them. Um, they can often be uh, some of the more expensive donors to acquire, um, but they're more valuable, more loyal over the long term. And if you're focusing too much on uh, engagement devices and gimmicks to boost your response rate, to acquire more donors, to bring down um, the net, co net uh, cost per donor to acquire donors, um, you actually... Uh, could be uh, costing your organization revenue over the long term. That, that's something that I plan to talk a lot more about. Um, but uh, again, I do see that the conversation is shifting. And I'd like to think that in many ways, the nonprofit sector has been a victim of its own success that, um, you know, we, so, you know, it's a little unclear depending who you talk to, if we're 
heading into a recession. Um, we certainly have seen the impacts of now two years of very high inflation and uh, eroded eroded uh, spending power. Um, but prior to COVID, um, it had been since 2009 uh, that we've really been in, in a bull market economically. So um, a, a lot of the these conversations that we're having now, um, again, we're kind of a victim of our own success, where during good economic times, it can be easy to just plug a number into your budget and say, we want to prospect at 70 or 80% uh, percent on the dollar. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the right long-term decision, but it makes the numbers look good when you're going to um, justify them to your board and when you're looking at overhead metrics and things like that. Um, now we're having to take a step back for that. And I think it's a very healthy thing for the sector. And uh, no question, I'm sure some of you listening have had um, a rough go of it over the last year or so. Uh, but I do think the conversations we're having are taking the sector to a better place, even if there still is some more economic uncertainty ahead. Um, and on that note, uh, I want to quickly touch on a, a topic that um, is always a focus whenever you're in a down market, and that's trying to figure out when the upswing is going to occur. And ultimately, if we're in the upswing, that's the question I'm going to try to answer for you right now. Um, what makes this so difficult is it's like trying to determine um, when we're in a recession and economists very often don't know if we're in a if we've had a recession until six to 12 months after it's over so it's a very hard thing to measure in the moment that's why you have to try to play ahead of the game to constantly be out there in the mail fundraising even if you have to take a step back at least being out there so you can um so you can catch the beginning of the upswing and then uh, scale when it's going on. And the reason why that is so important, I've talked about this a lot before as well, that um, upswings, in my experience, um, can be one of the most powerful periods of growth for nonprofits who are in the mail, who are fundraising, uh, regardless of what your dominant fundraising channel is, um, you know, whether it's uh, digital, online, or face-to-face, -face, or even on television, is when you can catch that upswing and scale on it, it's a very potent growth period. It's also very hard if you miss it and you try to play catch-up. But that's exactly why it's so potent. And I came into the industry in uh, 2007, so about a year and a half before the financial crisis. And that was a very informative period for me in my career. And I saw how organizations who were in the mail in early 2009, uh, when we were experiencing double-digit unemployment rates and lot bank failures and lots of uncertainty out there, how well organizations did that stayed the course, that found the courage to stay out there. And again, I don't use that word lightly, but it does take courage um, to be out there to be fundraising when there seems to be so many headwinds. Um, but we've seen historically over the years, if you were in the industry after 9-11, that uh, when you have the courage to stay out there, when there are so many reasons not to be out asking people for money, it ultimately does work to your benefit. And the organizations that stay the course, that find the courage to do that, 
ultimately emerge strongest. That was definitely the uh, case um, uh, in the aftermath of the financial crisis. Um, It was certainly the case um, coming out of COVID. How many organizations, museums, things like that shut down their fundraising when they were closed? And a lot of them are still trying to dig out of that hole. Very different story if you're a nonprofit that never actually got out of the mail uh, during the early days of the lockdowns when there was so much fear, so much anxiety, uncertainty out there, and so many reasons not to mail. And the organizations that did um, experienced a very powerful period of growth uh, during the pandemic. Um, So getting back to the question about the upswing, um, I wish there was a cleaner way to answer this or a simple answer. Um, But what makes this different, and the answer is a caveated yes. I do believe based on everything that I've seen personally, based on all the index reports that I've looked at, that fundraising hit rock bottom somewhere around Q2 of last year. And obviously that's going to vary based on uh, your cause, based on your organization. Um, But I've certainly seen that things have picked up since the start of uh, this year and maybe even uh, a little bit in towards the tail end of uh, last year, even though a lot of organizations, depending on um, who you are, what you're what you were raising money on, had a bit of a mixed bag uh, towards the end of the year. Um, But the reason why it is so um, hard to uh, to simply answer that question is because I see a, a divergence, if you will, that I didn't see in 2009. And that is that donors are still giving, um, but they're very selective about what they're giving to. And I think that comes back to the unique, universal, and psychological impact of inflation. And that's what makes an inflationary down market very different from a regular recession, because in a regular recession, if there are 10% unemployment, you know, if you still have your job, if you feel still secure in your job, it could be a recession for your neighbor. It might not be a recession for you. Um, everyone is impacted uh, one way or another by inflation. And even if you're well off, psychologically, you are going to alter your habits based on the price of groceries, the price of gas, um, the price of housing, um, anything connected to raw materials, uh, some very basic food essentials, so many other things. Um, you know, it seems everywhere you go now, there are signs up apologizing for price increases or companies passing along price increases uh, to their customers. We've kind of become numb to it. But regardless of how much money you make or how well off or how comfortable you are, this does impact your behavior in a way that a regular recession does not, and that's what makes, um, that's what makes inflation so difficult to navigate. Um, if you're a nonprofit or um, really anybody who's out there, you know, trying to um, get consumers to part with their money, and, and I think what we're the period that we're in now is one where people are continuing to give. They're becoming more selective. They're picking their spots, and I kind of put this as the, uh, the, the the chicken and the beef 
dilemma, um, to put a, a very sloppy analogy out there. Um, and that's when the price of beef rises, people tend to cut back and they may buy chicken more. Now, they may not stop eating beef altogether, but they may switch to doing it once a month instead of twice a month. And some people will stop altogether, but most people will simply just curb their spending on that item. Uh, they won't necessarily eliminate it altogether. And that's where I think we are with the nonprofit sector that um, donors are picking their spots. They're looking for organizations that are having the most impact. And by impact, I mean immediate. What are you doing for me lately? Or what have you done for me lately? Impact telling the story of engaging in the fight and the micro and macro victories that they're having along the way, that that is a priority right now over something like an organization that is trying to fundraise off of their brand or past accomplishments or big picture numbers. I mean, this is always, this has been a background issue in fundraising for some time now where uh, donors have been focused more on personal stories and impact. Um, but I do believe that uh, that the last couple of years um, and the economic headwinds that have been out there have exaggerated those challenges and expedited them. And what concerns me is that the temptation often in fundraising is to kind of dip your toe into the market and if you get a bad result, maybe pull out and then come back in a few months and see what things are like. And in my admittedly sloppy analogy uh, with, with customers who are choosing whether or not to buy chicken or to buy beef, the thing about consumer habits is they don't go back easily when people become accustomed to doing something um, for a long period of time. We saw this over the pandemic, right? Think about all the people, I'm in this bucket myself, people who started doing their grocery shopping online from home and then either having it delivered or picking it up. Once you realize the convenience of that, even when the pandemic was over and you felt fine going back to the grocery store, that's a habit that stuck. Um, we're seeing it in television now with things like streaming and um, uh, and, and other forms of entertainment that are um, changing the way people consume media and cable companies uh, feeling the impact of that with cord cutting. Um, there are a lot of things over the pandemic that we did for a year, a year and a half, two years that are hard to give up and people don't necessarily go back. So my point in saying this is that I would be very, very cautious about assuming if you had an approach that was working before the pandemic, if you were heavily focused on on brand and you didn't talk a lot about personal stories or you didn't frame your mission in kind of a, a gritty fight where you're talking about the constant progress that you're making, if that's not something that you've done before, I, I would be very careful about assuming that... Um, that donors are going to go back to the old way of giving when things do normalize, that they're just going to expand their net again and start giving to the types of causes and types of appeals that they did before the pandemic. I do think we're going through 
a fundamental shift in how people look at nonprofits. And again, some people will stop giving. Um, but it, it, in a lot of cases, I think people are just going to tighten up their giving or look for the organizations that are um, giving them the best donor uh, donor relationship uh, that are doing the best job of demonstrating the impact of their gift and that are constantly expressing gratitude, telling the stories about the people who are being helped by their contributions. So all that is to say, um, if you've stayed out of the mail or stayed out of your fundraising channel because of the results that you got last year, um, the best time to get back in and to test is yesterday because you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what the climate is until you're out there and you're able to read results. Yes, there's risk that accompanies that, but there's much greater risk in staying out of the market for too long. So definitely get back in there and just take the temperature of the marketplace. If you're doing that and your approach is not working, um, then it's time to look around the marketplace and look at what is working. What are organizations doing differently? And um, I do think that the next step there is looking at your creative approach and how you're talking about your mission, how you're talking about your impact, how you're talking about your donors. Are you talking about it all on a macro level or are you boiling it down to an individual level where you're talking about individual stories? And I know that's not easy for every organization to do, um, but I do believe it's imperative if you're finding that you're you're struggling. Um, but again, the best advice that I can give to anyone, regardless of your position right now, but especially if you're struggling and have either cut back or are thinking about cutting back, is to um, to gather your lifetime value data. Is to figure out what is the twelve month, twenty four month. 36 month value of a donor once we acquire them, because that should be your um, your guidepost for determining your investment decisions, not the old metrics that you were able to use during a bull market, because um, this could be the new normal, as I said, with fundraising, even when the economy improves, even when people regain their confidence economically, if their giving habits have changed, you need to switch your model. And in a lot of cases, I think when organizations look at how much their donors are worth over a longer period of time, they're going to realize that they probably were under prospecting during the good times, that if they were able to prospect at break even or at a very high ROI, that they should have been investing much more and um, making hay while the sunshine, so to speak. Um, but it definitely can help um, justify for executive directors, for boards, um, continuing to invest in prospecting if you're seeing that those investments are paying for themselves over the long haul. Because um, the longer you stay out of the mail and you start to see attrition on your file, it will have exponential impacts to your long-term value um, if you're staying out. So uh, that would be my my most critical piece of advice, uh, something that I've said a lot on this program, on this feed, and uh, my other appearances in the industry is the uh, most critical thing to do is get a handle on your lifetime value data. And uh, if you have that and things still aren't working for you, um, re-examine your creative uh, uh, approach 
and um, try something new because uh, the bottom line is that um, things may not be working well for you at this time, or you may be down considerably compared to where you were last year or two years ago. Um, but there are nonprofits who are out there um, and having success right now and scaling their programs and growing during a down market. And if you're able to grow during a down market, um, it really can be a powerful time. Even if we're not in a hockey stick like upswing, it can still be a powerful period of growth because there's less competition out there because so many organizations have pulled out of the mail and because the nonprofit sector, and I mean this respectfully, somebody who loves this business does operate with a great deal of groupthink, and it does take us a long time to catch up when things do turn around. So you don't want to be in that position where you're playing catch up. You want to try to get out ahead of the curve. And the good news is it's not too late to do that. But um, good luck to everyone out there. I know these are stressful days for a lot of you, but again, I promise uh, the discussions we are having are a healthy one. And uh, we are going to continue to to grow, to improve, and uh, we will come out of this stronger, I really do believe, as a sector. But um, best of luck to you. I promise it will not be another three months before you hear from me. I'm working on some good ideas for um, uh, some standalone episodes, uh, which I haven't done in a while, and some additional interviews and content as well. Uh, this has been... Um, uh, one of the most rewarding experiences of my career. And I just mean that in a sense of just uh, the, the outlet that it gives me to exude my passion for this business and uh, connect with a new community of fundraisers. So it's something that I certainly um, enjoy doing and will continue to do as long as um, providing value to you and, and making useful connections. So appreciate it. Take care. Good fundraising. And I will talk to you all soon.